Hi everyone, welcome back to Untold Tales. Um, I hope you're doing okay, fine, as good as you can. Today I have Jenny here with me. How are you? Hi, um, I'm as good as I possibly can be, which is not great, but it's okay. Where are you right now? Uh, so a week ago, I moved to a city called Ivano-Frankivsk. So it's a western part of Ukraine, which is supposedly safer than the middle, which I was uh, spending time before. I moved here with my mom, my cat, and our dog. My dad helped us, and now he is back to Kiev to still like joining army and volunteer. Mm-hmm. Yep. We talked um, last week. Was it last week when we talked, or two weeks ago? Uh, so I think it last week, but a little bit more than a week. Yeah, the situation has quite changed a lot since then. Um, maybe you want to tell us a bit about yourself, who you are, where you come from. Um, so I'm still same JD as was last week. <laughs> I'm 21. I'm Ukrainian. I spent last five years of my life abroad thinking that I probably should never come back to Ukraine because Europe is so great and blah, blah, blah. But now I came back like a few months ago uh, to visit my family, to take care of my house. And uh, the war came and now my view of Ukraine completely changed. And I love this country so much and I love people here. Um, I think the war brought a lot of good in people, even though it's like ironic to say that. Um, yeah, and for now, I'm staying here. I'm trying to help as much as I can, uh, even though sometimes help means uh, just not making it worse, I would say. Um, so, yeah, that's that's about what I am right now. Last time we talked, you were <clears throat> working, volunteering at a supermarket. Um, are you still doing something like that or is it, le- is it not viable anymore? Um, so that's changed. Um, I-, I wanted to say a little bit about like why we moved here with my mom. So um, when I was in Kiev and when the war started, uh, we all were feeling, you know, this like we're super powerful. We want to stay in our cities like it's our you know, it's our ground, it's our land, like we shouldn't move anywhere. And I was looking at some people who were moving Western or abroad as on a little bit like cowards. And I'm like super sorry and ashamed of that right now. Because at some point we realized that um, like women and kids and all people, uh, they're not really helping armies in big cities. They're just creating more of destructions and problems really. So when, like, other men fight, they also need to keep in mind the fact that the whole city is full of, you know, civilians. And so their hands are kind of tied. So Russia, you know, they can, I don't know, bomb, like, uh, civilian buildings and maternity house and all of that. Uh, But, like, our soldiers, obviously, like, trying to be super careful. And basically, by leaving those big cities, um, civilians just help you know, army do their thing. Uh, and another part is that the distribution of supplies, um, it's way more 
uh, structured when you have civilians like in one place and army in a different one. Because uh, when there are a lot of civilians in the city, you're supposed to, you know, give them food and everything. And that's why there's a lot of time spending on protecting those green corridors and everything, which is great. And people should have this opportunity no matter what they decide on. But basically, if we're just looking with a cold head, it is better to just give those cities. Yeah, yes, they're going to be like more destroyed, but then we can like, you know, win faster, I would say. And that's why we decided to move here. And my dad came back because like he's actually, you know, helping army, not just, you know, being on their way. Uh, and that's why I left my volunteering place in the supermarket. Plus, um, I think the night we talked with you, it was the last one I worked there uh, because we didn't have like the supermarket didn't have enough um, supplies to need as many workers and as, as, you know, like volunteers and people who wanted to help. So they asked us all, you know, to do something else because they just really didn't need so many hands. They didn't have products. Um, and here uh, it's also another problem is that there are too many people in those Western cities right now. I'm not in the main one, I would say. So we have the city called Lviv. And we call it like a cultural capital of Ukraine. And it was the most pro-Ukrainian city probably like in the whole country. And a lot of people moved there. It's really close to the border. Maybe you saw uh, Russia bombarded the um, um, like a shelter slash Red Cross thingy there. Like yesterday, it was like 20 kilometers away from Poland, which is super close to Europe. Um, yeah, and so those cities are full of people. When we came here with my family, uh, we were started looking, you know, to rent an apartment or something because, I mean, shelters are great, but thankfully we have some money. So, you know, if we can uh, take care of ourselves without the volunteering help, we should do it. So volunteering can help those who are actually super duper in deep, in, de in need, sorry. And so... Uh, we came here and we were looking for an apartment and those posts about apartments. So we have this website where you can post if you have something to rent. Um, I kid you not, for like 17 minutes, those posts were gathering 14,000 views. So it's just crazy. Like, so why saying why I'm talking about is that they have plenty of volunteers here. So they don't really need like physical help anymore. So I found myself in uh, volunteering like, you know, from my computer and applying the knowledge I gathered when I was, you know, studying abroad. Um, so we just realized that the war going to be over at some point And there is like an economic stage of Ukraine that uh, we need to be taken care of. And... Uh, so now we're kind of trying to support small and middle businesses here. So afterwards, you know, they can bring us money. So now I'm helping um, this project that um, is, how to put it? So this project is meant to help Ukrainians with their mental health problems. So because we have a lot of uh, you know, physical help, like food and some stuff for army and weapons and everything and clothes. And we're super grateful for that. But also we have this huge part of mental health um, that is 
in a really bad state right now because you know we don't sleep at nights we are like scared all the time we lose people we see people die um and so this project was ukrainian at first and now they want to take it like to a bigger market so people from all around the world can uh like support it donate to it join it like subscribe and then uh it, those money gonna go to help ukrainians uh and so my role in all of it is i'm helping to create uh, like how to put it like to put it on the international market so i know Right now, my English maybe doesn't sound like perfect, uh, but I think it's way better than a lot of Ukrainians have it. Um, and so I'm trying to help, like, you know, translating some text, like writing some content, um, maybe like putting some advertisements, different channels. So, you know, like what I actually know how to do. Mm -hmm. So um, I feel like right now, every Ukrainian kind of, you know, stop themselves from doing everything just to do it and realize that everybody can be helpful in the way they most you know capable in of um so yeah this is a good thing i think yeah definitely and it's interesting that you mentioned mental health because i feel like in conflicts war um like in ukraine so like the main concern is the physical well-being and the mental well-being which i would argue is as important is often overlooked so yeah it's quite interesting what you're doing how how are you doing when it comes to your mental health how do you feel um well i feel like i'm actually the chillest one here uh because i mean not that i'm like you know cool with all of it like not at all um but due to like my previous trauma like right now i have like a psychologist i have uh you know like some uh pills that are helping me to go through all of it not like you know super heavy but i'm like pretty stable and that's i think that's my benefit and like my strength because i have this like cold head so i can actually you know when it's like a bump outside i can just you know take my mom or like grab my cat and just go to the shelter so we don't get you know like uh we don't get this stuff from the windows and everything like glass um and so i actually feel like i'm one of the most you know helpful people <laughs> in my family and everything like my dad also Uh, did put this little bit of faith on me of me taking care of my mom because you know it's usually like parents care about kids but like nowadays I know that I can like do it better if I'm kind of in charge um, so that's a little bit of it plus another thing is that like I moved more uh, like to the western part so we don't see as much you know like tanks and streets and everything like we still do have bombs and they bombed like bombarded like an airport which is like three kilometers away from me uh but still it's a little bit like calmer in a way of actually seeing stuff than it was in kiev but from another side it's really hard to know that like my dad is right there and he also doesn't want to tell my mom a lot and so he tells it to me because he knows that I'm taking it again, like with a cold head. I understand there's war around, so I'm not like panicking and crying over like little things. But yeah, I know that he's probably not gonna, you know, be silent whenever something bad is happening. And plus, uh, like Ukrainian media 
is also, I mean, obviously we have like propaganda uh, in favor of Ukraine. Uh, so, you know, they say a lot of uh, what Russia lost, like, you know, how many soldiers, how many tanks, how many machines, but they almost never say about what we are losing. Like they talk about civilians, but they almost never talk about army. And I, as a daughter of a person who actually sees all of it, like I know a little bit more than other people. So I know that, for example, yesterday there were like 13 guys who just went to check out the territory. It was like in Kiev and they all got shot, like all of them, 13 people by like Russians because they made kind of like a trap or something. And none of the news channels covered it. And it was like, I mean, I hope I can talk about it. (laughs) But uh, yeah, that's the stuff that like they don't want to make people panic even more. And they're all the time saying that army is doing great. And they do like those guys are really like I love them. Like I'm such a fan. But um, it's still like for me, it's a little bit harder than like I know that it's not as good as other people around me think Mm -hmm. it is. Mm-hmm. Your dad told you about those 13 guys. Were they Ukrainian, civilian, soldiers? What was their role? Um, so they were Ukrainians and they were, well, there's, you know, there's like a little in between um, like soldiers and civilians. So um, that's where my dad is helping. It's actually like we call it territorial defense force. So it's like volunteers, like male, we have a few females though, but like (laughs) mostly males Um, and they're not like army. So they're not trained properly, but they just willing to, you know, be there to help Ukraine. So those we have like extremely a lot of them and they're really helpful for like our army, Uh, even though they have a little bit lack of discipline, that's true. But I mean, it's not like they were trained for this, you know, so it's understandable that they can be scared or, you know, make mistakes. And so those guys were from this volunteering defense force. Um, yeah, so basically they were kind of civilians, kind of army. Mm-hmm. I, would, I would say that. And you mentioned, yeah, that you mentioned me last time that your father is sort of helping them organize, bringing discipline to them. Um, so it sounds like he has a very active role in this territory yeah. defense um, group. And he's still in Kiev, right? Yeah, he came back. Like, like he brought us here by car mm-hmm. and then like the next day he left. How often do you communicate with him? Um, well, my mom talks with him like 700 times per day because like, <laughs> she's so in love. Um, me, it's more like, he's just texting me. He's like, Hey Jenny, like I made a bread and I'm like, wow, like cool. So we have this, like, we never were, um, like, I wouldn't say we weren't close, but we had like our problems and only like a few months ago, we kind of solved all those issues. So we're still not good and, you know, like talking every day, but we clearly know that we like, you know, got each other backs because, uh, he can just text me, Hey, say, Hey Jenny, like, I need this like protection thingy because uh, I cannot find it like in Kiev. Can you order it? And then like, don't tell your mom because she's going to know that I'm like, you know, in more dangers than she thinks I am. Uh, so that kind of stuff. Um, and I mean, like I'm also not really good in holding communications with almost nobody. 
um, and Fico knows that, for example, <laughs> like the person we both know. Um, so it's it's already good that like he's texting me about bread, like mm-hmm. I mean my dad. <laughs> so, <laughs> do you feel right. overwhelmed by your new role as sort of the the person in charge of protection in your house? Do you th- is it tough for you? How do you feel? Uh, I actually feel pretty good because I feel like I have a lot from my dad and me, um, which is also used to be like a problem sometimes when there are people who I want to take care of, but they are also like really strong individuals and they are trying to make it equal, trying to control me or something like that. But here, like my mom also, I mean, she's doing her part, like, uh, like you know, by being a mom and also like taking Uh, she, like she's in charge of some things but also I know that she knows that I've seen the world you know I have some knowledge I, I'm also brave I'm smart and all of that so I feel like um, there is not a really new role for me in it uh, I think that I even feel like more like myself when I have the opportunity to be in charge because you know usually it's like when you live with your parents which I haven't done in like six years. Uh, it's like your parents to decide everything, you know, what's happening. Mm-hmm. So now I'm actually deciding for myself and for her. So I'm pretty comfortable with it. Mm. It sounds like you're almost feeling empowered by the situation in a way. Am I far from the truth? Um. Well, you know, there's always like, um, you know, those men who are like, not empowered in real world and they bring all this power to, like to their own house so they feel like power at least there i feel like it's with me but like in a more you know not like aggressive way or anything but it's more like i cannot control the health that's happening like outside of my apartment but it feels good to know that at least inside like if you want you know like pet your cat you can do it or something <laughs> you know you in charge of what exactly you can do here and you can also help other people uh, to feel protected because like I cannot give it to a lot of people outside of like my place which I really wish I could do but mm-hmm. and yeah how how's your like well your mom your grandma settling down into these more I don't want to say passive but yeah sort of passive role in the house how i mean again like i wouldn't say that it's about like me being fully in charge of everything it's more of um like we are equals which is already more powerful than usually kids are in families but i would say that if something really bad happens um like i would be the leading part more or less because like you know if we go for example abroad Like, my mom doesn't speak English, so it's going to be me who's, you know, talking on the border, who's finding the place, who's, like, talking to people. But I wouldn't say that she's, like, passive. Mm-hmm. She's not passive in, like, some stuff. So, yeah, like, I just I just feel like passive sounds like, like submissive mm-hmm. or something, which is completely not a case. Um, yeah. Last time we spoke, you said you're very confident about Ukraine winning the war. Has that changed? No, 
Uh, it hasn't. I still think that we're going to win. Uh, the only thing is that now I feel like we're going to lose more than I expected us to lose. So it was more like, you know, at first everybody was like super scared and thought that we're going to lose like everything in like one day. Then we gathered like a lot of confidence because we were like fighting super hard. And then we understood that. Uh, so the worst case scenario for Ukraine, not like the worst, but like one of is like the long war because we are, you know, like we're cool. We are uh, like super strong. We really have this ideology of what we're fighting for because like Russians, they fight for like really bullshit idea and we are actually protecting, you know, our homes and pride and our kids. Um, but if it's like a long term, we just way smaller and we obviously have way less resources. And um, even though Russian's army, they show themselves as like really weak and not how to put it like. It seems like there's a lot of them, right? Like I, I read this article a couple of days ago and I talked with it like uh, about this with my dad. So they have like, let's say like a million of army, but yet out of this million, they have only some percentage that is like armies that can come to another country, right? So all of them, like other people are, you know, those who are in charge of some districts or those who are working on computers or maps or something like that. And out of this percentage, there's only some percent that they can send to Ukraine because they still need to protect their own country, like if something happens. And out of that, they also have a lot of people who are really like young and they don't know how to fight. So basically, Ukraine can win uh, super easily if we're only talking about like soldiers against soldiers. But like resources against resources obviously we're gonna lose like bombs against like our anti-bombs <laughs> thingies like yeah we're like doing a great job right now but still they have like so much more like you know power like bombs are actually like our weakest spot as i think like most countries have it like, that way uh and plus another thing is that like we don't attack them back so it's also like we cannot go to Russia and destroy, you know, their weapons. So all of it is kind of making it just like the longer it is, the more we're going to lose. And another idea is that um, I don't feel like neither Europe nor US going to let us lose, but they going to watch it like the war happening till like the last few moments when Ukraine going to be like almost defeated. Mm -hmm. You said that what the Russians are fighting for is bullshit. What is that that they are fighting for? What? Yeah. What? Uh, so according to their um, my <clears throat> okay, micro asshole, as we call him, like president, um, that's actually, yeah, it's like whole other topic if he actually believes what he's saying or it's like like a complete bullshit and he knows that it's bullshit. But what they're coming for here is like to help us to be free from like Nazi that we have in our government, um, which is like complete bullshit and we don't have that. Another idea of them is that they're going to help like Russian speaking um 
like citizens of Ukraine because apparently we're bullying them. And this is funny because I'm Russian speaking Ukrainian and nobody ever bullied me in my entire life for that. Um, I mean, I, I like right now I do speak only Ukrainian, but like before the war, I was speaking Russian most of the time and like I never had a single comment or like weird look at me or anything like that. And so I feel like if we putting uh, their reason against others, so they are being like helping somebody who apparently they see doesn't need their help and us who are fighting to protect their families, their land and literally everything they have. I feel like those are very different, you know, levels of motivation. Mm -hmm. Because the official narrative in, like, is that they are invading Ukraine to sort of protect the ethnically Russian Ukrainians from the east, yeah. from the especially from the Donbas, um, from Donbas, and well, there have been certain um, crimes committed against. Russian, like ethnically Russian uh, other, Ukrainians, other way, rather way around, but yeah, like the Donbas, it's actually uh, those who were protected eight years ago. Protected, like I'm doing, you know, this like with my fingers, like <laughs> yeah, to make it obvious that it's quote unquote. Uh, yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, that's their reason. Which uh, so we have a lot of those videos of uh, Russian soldiers and other soldiers, you know, like. Took and what is the word capite the that word? Compete? So they they you know yeah I think so. But let me yeah cap captivity uh -huh. cap captive 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 um, captive. Yeah, so, captive okay <laughs> so um, they actually this is actually also a really interesting difference between Ukrainian and Russia because we uh, like we all just kill them when they try to kill us. But when they're just, you know, uh, don't have any weapons, like with bare hands or whatever, we captivate them. <laughs> and they all have access to phones so they can call their parents. They all have access to food, baths, water, like anything, like anything, sarcasm they need. Mm -hmm. But uh, like a lot of actually... Like, they have, like, a normal edit from us, even though they literally kill our kids. And so those videos of them calling their parents and they're telling that, uh, mom, like, we were so wrong. They don't want us here. We're just killing civilians. Um, we did believe it at first that they're actually, um, that they actually had this idea to protect us. And then they just realize that they're wrong. But then after like a few days, it appeared to be like complete bullshit because um, there were like some, I wouldn't say like evidence, but, you know, like common sense. Like when they were crossing borders, they knew that they're like coming specifically to Ukraine. Even though some of them are saying that like, oh, my God, we didn't know like where we're coming, like who we're going to protect or something. And then right now, when they actually like you know um like their tongues are going like on a street and they just shoot you know buildings around them so it's obvious that they're not trying to protect anybody and they show this like maternity house hospital like where like 
girls give birth. And so um, they said that like, oh my God, we thought that it's going to be like a base of your army. And I'm like, really? You just like came there? You saw like blue and um, pink, you know, posts saying in the language you understand that there's like kids are getting burned here? And you just like shot it all, like that you bombarded all, like what? So those people are just like those Russians. They specifically understand what they're doing now. And none of the of them who is still in Ukraine, none of them thinks that they're actually protecting anybody because our, uh, our people show that they don't want them here. Even the most Russian-speaking uh, Ukrainian cities they show that they don't want to be helped. They don't need it. Like everybody who wanted to be helped, like went to Russia before or anybody like we still have this like little percentage of people who think that Russia is cool. But yet it's not like anybody's bullying them. And so they saw it and they still didn't give up. They still didn't, you know, come back to Russia. They still are following all those orders to kill civilians. So like even though they officially had a reason before and we had some pity towards them that they actually didn't know what they're doing now they know exactly what they're doing and they still keep doing it mm-hmm. Jenny we're running out of time so maybe if there's something how would you explain the situation of the Russian civilians what is something that you would want the world to know about what you guys are going through Uh, Russian civilians or Ukrainian civilians? Sorry, fucking Ukrainian civilians. <laughs> no, because like, I actually have more to say about Russian civilians because they're like fucking idiots. And like I'm so embarrassed that I ever watched a single like show or Insta story from them because those fuckers allow themselves to like cry over the Instagram being closed. And there's this one girl, she was crying. Oh my God, I wanted to give labor in the like Instagram live story, live stream. And now I didn't know what to do. And I'm like, go and give like birth into anti-bulb shelter and all of our women do right now, you know? And it's just so sad that they actually think that like Russia protects them by turning off like Instagram and Facebook and also social media. So Russians, oh, oh sorry, Ukrainians don't attack them but they're harsh words and i'm looking at that and i'm just you know i don't have any words like like how can you believe all of that how can you see like so many countries like all of countries supporting ukraine and you still think that russia is doing something good so i just gave up on all of them like if before i was like yeah but it's like army not people then now it's like the whole nation and there are like no excuses for them whatsoever. Mm-hmm. Well, I think that's a pretty clear message. Um, and yeah, I would really like to have you over again, maybe to discuss more things. And I think it's very interesting yeah. to, to hear your story since you are living, you know, in Ukraine in the moment, going through, through the war. So yeah, I'm... I'm gonna say bye to you now <laughs> and okay. stop this recording. Thanks yeah. everyone Thanks for, for yeah. Thanks everyone for joining us today and yeah, I hope to 
that you join us again soon um, in the next episode of Untold Tales. Bye.